Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is July 3rd. In 1971, Jim Morrison of the Doors was found dead in a bathtub at age 27. No autopsy was performed, and while drugs are suspected, the official cause was listed as a heart attack induced by respiratory problems. Jim Morrison's body was found in the bathtub of his girlfriend Pamela's apartment in Paris, France. The circumstances surrounding his death are cloudy, but it appears that he had accidentally overdosed on a particularly lethal strain of heroin called China White, having mistaken it for his drug of choice, cocaine. In some accounts, Corson has placed him has placed him in the bathtub in an attempt to revive him, and others he had run a bath after suffering a coughing fit. After completing LA Woman in 1971, Morrison decided to take a sabbatical in France. His hedonism has taken its toll, and his voice was raw, his hair was graying, and his body was flabby and unkept. He spent the day with Corson at the movies, and had been listening to The Doors albums with their debut, with the ominous closing track, The End, found on his record after player after his death. The cause of his death was recorded as heart failure, although no autopsy was performed to confirm it. As a result, rumors around the circumstances of his death have been covered up, leading to a host of conspiracy theories ranging from self-inducing coma to fake his death to his ex-pagan ex-wife Patricia Keneal using witchcraft to see him off. Morrison is buried at Pierre Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, and his grave rapidly becomes the shrine for the Doors fans despite having no official marker until 1973, when the shield placed by authorities is promptly stolen. It is a particularly dangerous time to be a musician. With the sac- last six months, Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix have both died of drug overdoses, also aged at age 27. And by the end of 1971, Louis Armstrong and Gene Vincent will also be lost to natural causes. The Doors continued as a band for another two years. They considered replacing Morrison, but instead decided that existing members Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger will share the vocal duties. They released two more albums, Other Voices, in 1971 in full circle in 1972 to moderate success and mixed reviews before splitting up. In 1978, they briefly reformed to record their final record, An American Prayer, an album made up of new music accompanying recordings of Jim Morrison's poetry. And then in 1998, Volkswagen AG completed its purchase of Rolls-Royce Motor Cars Limited yesterday, but may be missing one of the most important parts of the deal, the legendary Rolls brand name. Volkswagen beat out rival BMW and paid 479 million pounds or 780 million dollars for Rolls-Royce, but Europe's number but Europe's number one automaker Still has no use, no deal to use the Rolls-Royce name and logo, according to Rolls-Royce PLC. The jet engine maker says that it still retains control of the brand. Volkswagen is aware of our rights to the name and trademark, Rolls-Royce PLC spokesman Martin Brody said. We have not had any detailed discussions. Rolls-Royce PLC would not say whether it would try to block Volkswagen's use of the name or whether it might try to force the German company to pay for the right. We attach the greatest importance to the preservation and protection of the Rolls-Royce name and trademarks as key assets of our business, and we'll take whatever action is necessary and appropriate, Brody said. Volkswagen spokesman Kurt Ripples declined to discuss the name and trademark issue earlier in the week. Volkswagen officials were unavailable for immediate comment today. 
according to receptionists at Volkswagen headquarters in Wolfsburg. Vickers PLC, the British engineering group that sold Rolls-Royce, has said the old deal giving Rolls-Royce PLC the right to veto a foreign purchase of Rolls-Royce motor cars is unforeseeable under current European Union law. Rolls-Royce PLC retained the rights to the name when the two Rolls-Royce companies were separated in the 1970s. Volkswagen clinched the purchase last month when Vickers shareholders approved a bid of £430 million over BMW's offer of £340 million. The final price was higher. Both bidders had to agree to pay Vickers a bit extra on closing to account for an increase in the value of assets at Rolls-Royce since the first of the year. Vickers had come under sharp attack from small shareholders who were outraged last month to see their beloved Rolls-Royce cars being sold off to the Germans. Vickers had secured excellent value for its shareholders from the transaction, and the strong, committed new owner can now take Rolls-Royce motor cars forward to the next stage of its development, Vickers chairman Sir Colin Chandler said. Volkswagen chairman Ferdinand Peach said that he was committed to building this business in a manner consistent with its character and heritage. Volkswagen and Vickers said they hope soon to close a related deal to buy the Cosworth engine making company, which is needed because shunned bidder BMW terminated an earlier deal to supply engines for some Rolls-Royce cars. Rolls-Royce PLC had favored scale to BMW, BMW, which is partner in an unrelated jet engine venture. And then finally, in 1940, there was an attack of the French fleet at Mers el-Kabir during World War II. Events leading up to the attack, during the closing days of the Battle of France in 1940, with the German victory all but assured, the British became increasingly worried about the disposition of the French fleet. The fourth largest navy in the world, the ships of the Marine Nationale, possessed the potential to alter the naval war and threaten Britain's supply lines across the Atlantic. Voicing these concerns to the French government, Prime Minister Winston Churchill was assured by Navy Minister Admiral Francois Darlan that even in defeat, the fleet would be kept from the Germans. Unknown to either side was that Hitler had little interest in taking over the Marine Nationale, only ensuring that its ships were neutralized or intended under German or Italian supervision. This latter phrase was included in Article 8 of the Franco-German Armistice. Misinterpreting the language of the document, the British believed the Germans intended to take control of the French fleet. Based on this, and a distrust of Hitler, the British War Cabinet decided on June 24th that any assurances provided under Article 8 should be disregarded. Then Operation Catapult, at this point in time, the ships of the Marine Nationale were scattered in various ports. Two battleships, four cruisers, eight destroyers, and numerous smaller vessels were in Britain, while one battleship, four cruisers, and three destroyers were imported at Alexandria, Egypt. The largest concentration was anchored at Mirza Kabir in Oran, Algeria. This force, led by Admiral Marcel Bruno Gensel, considered consisted of the older battleships Britannia, Provence and the new battle cruisers Dunkirk and Strasbourg, the seaplane tender Commandant Test, as well as six destroyers. Moving forward with plans to neutralize the French fleet, the Royal Navy began Operation Catapult. This saw the boarding and capture of French ships in British ports on the night of July 3rd. While the French crews generally did not resist, three were killed on the submarine Solkarf. The bulk of the ships went on to serve with the Free French forces later in the war. Of the French crews, the men were given the option to join Free French or be repatriated across the channel. With these ships seized, ultimatums were issued to the squadrons at Mers el-Kabir and at Alexandria. To deal with the Gensol's squadron, Churchill dispatched Force H from Gibraltar under the command of Admiral Sir James Somerville. He was instructed to issue an ultimatum to Gensol requesting that the French squadrons do one of, two, one of the following. 
Number one, join the Royal Navy in continuing the war with Germany. Number two, sail to a British port with reduced crews to be interned for the duration. Number three, sail to the West Indies or to the United States and remain there for the rest of the war. Or number four, scuttle the ships within six hours. If Gensel refused all four options, Somerville was instructed to destroy the French ships to prevent their capture by the Germans. A reluctant participant who did not wish to attack an ally, Somerville approached Mirza Kabir with a force consisting of the battlecruiser HMS Hood, battleships HMS Valiant, HMS Resolution, and the carrier HMS Arc Royale, two light cruisers, and 11 destroyers. On July 3rd, Somerville sent Captain Cedric Holland of Arc Royal, who spoke fluent French, into Mirza Kabir aboard the destroyer HMS Foxhound to present the terms to Gensel. Holland was coldly received as Gensel expected negotiations to be conducted by an officer of equal rank. As a result, he sent his flag lieutenant, Bernard Dufay, to meet with Holland. Under orders to present the ultimatum directly to Gensel, Holland was refused access and ordered to leave the harbor. Boarding a whaleboat for Foxhound, he made a successful dash to the French flagship Dunkirk and after additional delays were finally able to meet with a French admiral. Negotiations continued for two hours during which Gensel ordered his ships to prepare for action. Tensions were further heightened as Ark Royal's aircraft began dropping magnetic mines across the harbor channel as talks progressed. During the course of the talks, Gensel shared his orders from Darlin which permitted him to scuttle the fleet or sail for America if a foreign power attempted to claim his ships. In a massive failure of communication, the full text of Somerville's ultimatum was not related to Darlin, including the option of sailing for the United States. As talks began to stalemate, Churchill was becoming increasingly impatient in London. Concerned that the French were stalling to allow reinforcements to arrive, he ordered that Somerville settle the matter at once. Responding to Churchill's order, Somerville radioed Gensel at 5.26 p.m. that if one of the British proposals was not accepted within 15 minutes, he would attack. With this message, Holland departed. Unwilling to negotiate under threat of enemy fire, Gensel did not respond. Approaching the harbor, the ships of Force H opened fire at an extreme range approximately 30 minutes later. Despite the approximate similarity between the two forces, the French were not fully prepared for battle and anchored in a narrow harbor. Their heavy British guns quickly found their targets with the Dunkirk put out of action within four minutes. Britannia was struck in a magazine and exploded, killing 977 of its crew. When the firing stopped, Britannia had sunk, while Dunkirk province and destroyer Magdor were damaged and run aground. Only Strasbourg and a few destroyers succeeded in escaping the harbor. Fleeing at flank speed, they were ineffectively attacked by Ark Royal's aircraft and briefly pursued by Force H. The French ships were able to reach Toulon the next day. Concerned that the damage to Dunkirk and Province was minor, British aircraft attacked Marza Kabir on July 3rd. In the rain, in the raid, the patrol boat Terra Neuve exploded near Dunkirk, causing additional damage. To the east, Admiral Sir Andrew Cunningham was able to avoid a similar situation with the French ships at Alexandria. In hours of tense talks with Admiral René Emilie Godfroy, he was able to convince the French to allow their ships to be interned. In the fighting at Mersel Kabir, the French lost 1,297 killed and around 250 wounded, while the British incurred two killed. The attack badly strained Franco-British relations, as did an attack on the battleship Richelieu at Dakar later that month. Though Somerville stated, we all feel thoroughly ashamed, the attack was a signal to the international community that Britain intended to fight on alone. This was reinforced by its stand during the Battle of Britain later that summer. Dunkirk Province and Magador received temporary repairs and later sailed for Toulon. 
The threat of the French fleet ceased to be an issue when its officers scuttled its ships in 1942 to prevent their use by the Germans. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com The Death of Jim Morrison at Calendar.SongFacts.com Rolls-Royce sold to Volkswagen at SouthCoastToday.com and British destroy the French fleet at ThoughtCo.com The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.